Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, broadcasting on the Mojo 5.0 radio network and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and conventional wisdom is usually just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio, available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. My email address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. We're going to start today's broadcast with coverage of uh, Rod Rosenstein's testimony yesterday before the Senate Judiciary Committee headed up by the uh, force of nature called Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, who uh, who never fails to fail. Um, it's not the most important story that happened yesterday. The most important story that happened yesterday was the continuation of these riots in cities across this country. Uh, you wouldn't know that by watching the mainstream media. They have largely uh, just blacked out the continued rioting and looting and the assaults that are going on in the streets in favor of the so-called mostly peaceful protests. They love to talk about the mostly peaceful protests because that feeds their narrative and ignore the lawlessness that is going on in our streets as a result of uh, the, the so-called black lives matter mythology. But uh, you know, there's two reasons they've withdrawn. Uh, the first is uh, it doesn't feed the narrative. And the second is uh, they don't want to put their uh, reporters and uh, camera crews at risk because every time they go into these uh, these violent riots, uh, in order to support the narrative, they get attacked. And you just got to wonder how badly somebody has cucked out if uh, if you're going to try to tell a narrative about how peaceful and justified they are and that the violence is limited at the same time you're being uh, pelted with rocks and uh, physically and verbally attacked. But we'll get to more of the, the coverage on that. Uh, I want to start out with the Rosenstein testimony yesterday. It was uh, one of these um, deep state Washington bureaucrat performances where um, you know, Rod Rosenstein had been able to lay the ground rules going in. It was obvious that he and Lindsey Graham had coordinated what was allowed to be uh, talked about and what was not. And Rod Rosenstein came fully prepared to uh, to filibuster questions, prevaricate, deflect, uh, you know, call for, uh, you know, better behavior going forward. 
They were not allowed to talk about, uh, apparently, uh, the special counsel's appointment or all of the misconduct that went on there. They had to limit themselves to the FISA abuse. Uh, Lindsey Graham has told us again and again he's not going to have any hearings about things that are not complete. And now that the inspector general has completed his FISA investigation uh, and determined that it was shot through with wrongdoing, um, it's all all we're supposed to believe that uh, these dozens of misrepresentations that were contained in these FISA warrants were, it was all just uh, human error. There was no intent there. We can't prove that they were trying to spy on the Trump campaign. It was just a mistake that they relied on this, uh, this dossier that they knew was Russian disinformation provided by the way, by Russian intelligence agencies. Mueller never looked into that. His, his uh, mandate was to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 election. And yet he turned a blind eye completely to the real Russian interference that went on, and that is uh, by coordinating with the uh, Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee to provide this disinformation, with which I believe they intended to uh, put Donald Trump in jail after he, as expected, lost the election. But uh, what was clear yesterday watching Rod Rosenstein is that uh, either he is the biggest buffoon in Washington or he is one of the most corrupt uh, lawyers ever to uh, sit in that chair of the uh, attorney general. He was uh, acting attorney general, you'll recall, after uh, Loretta Lynch beat it out for the hills um, and didn't want to you know, take responsibility for uh, all of the, the spying that took place on the Trump campaign. So I've got uh, uh, some clips here of Rosenstein prevaricating and dodging and weaving and, uh, and you know, running the clock out. I want to start with this clip from Josh Hawley, who was questioning Rosenstein on uh, signing off on this fourth FISA warrant. Um, Hawley cl- uh, pinned him down pretty good uh, and watched Rosenstein squirm. Signed off on a FISA application to a federal court in an ex parte proceeding, which means the other side didn't have any chance to argue it. You signed off on it. It had 17 material misstatements, falsehoods, omissions. You signed off on it. You also said at the time you thought it was an above-average application. Correct. How could you sign off on something with this number of misrepresentations that the FISA court later came back and said, this, this destroys our trust in the FBI? You signed off on it personally. How could this happen? I approved the submission of it, and, and four federal judges signed off on it too, Senator, because, like me, they believed that the information had been verified and was accurate. Did they have a duty to verify the information? No, the agents had a duty to verify. Did, oh, so you did not have a duty to verify the information? I had a duty. Your name on the application. Well, I had a duty to make sure it had been verified. Did you rubber stamp it? Senator, the, the deputy attorney general or the attorney general. Just answer my question. Did you rubber no, stamp it? You said a second ago to Senator Cruz no, said I, I didn't rubber stamp it. If you'd like me to explain, I will. But I certainly. But you also testified to today that you didn't read it. So I'm curious. No, I didn't say How is it? You, you, would you like us to have your testimony read back to you? You said, I can't say that I read it. I don't think I read every page. I mean. Yes, I did say that. Yes. But, okay, so you didn't rubber stamp it, but you didn't read it. You know, Senator, I have to explain the process. 
Um, oh, I think we're familiar with the process. No, the OIG I, gave us the process. By the time it got to you, you had 17 critical errors, falsehoods, omissions, leading a federal court to say they have never seen anything like this and they can't trust anything else the FBI says, and you signed off on it. On that one warrant, we're led to believe that every one of those 17 errors uh, all just happened to cut against Carter Page. There was no exculpatory information in there like the fact that Carter Page was a, uh, a paid, well, not, I take that back. He, he was uh, an informant, a cooperating informant for the FBI. And I always have, you know, when I come across this, I always have to take my opportunity to reiterate that, uh, you know, they, they keep saying that uh, the FBI spied on an American citizen. That's not what the FISA warrant against Carter Page was all about. It was the camel's nose in the tent. These FISA warrants allow the so-called two-hop rule that allows them to monitor the emails, text messages, and phone conversations of everybody that the target of that FISA warrant is named and everybody that they talk to. So literally, you're talking about a universe that uh, includes thousands and thousands of people. Everybody uh, that that Carter Page talked to that was related to the campaign, all of their text messages, emails, and phone calls could be monitored both going forward and going backwards. Because remember, they capture and store on giant servers all of our information all of the time. They capture it all and, and store it. And it allowed them to uh, to take one more hop. Everybody that those people talked to, they could monitor all of their communications as well. I got a clip here. This is uh, Richard Blumenthal, one of the most despicable members of the U.S. Senate. Ignoring uh, the, the real the scandal here, and that is the injection of Russian disinformation into our political campaigns by the Hillary Clinton and Democrat National Committee. View Mr. Rosenstein, a quote that I think is dispositive today, and dispositive probably for the future. And it comes from the Inspector General, whose report you have in front of you. Correct. Quote, we don't take issue with any part of the special counsel's report. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat it. We don't take issue with any part of the special counsel's report. That was his testimony before this committee in December when he presented his report. So after all of the umbrage and outrage and heated political rhetoric, the report and its conclusions and findings remain unchallenged by the inspector general. Would you agree? I do, and I think it was important, Senator, to establish that an independent investigation found that the Russians sought to interfere in the election and that no Americans conspired with them. I think those are very important findings, and I'm grateful to the folks who helped us reach that conclusion. You see what they did just there? They they put their stamp of approval on the Mueller uh, report that, as I said, completely turned a blind eye to the actual Russia interference in the election through the, the dossier, and they continued to promote this mythology that the servers of the Democratic National Committee have been shown to have been hacked by the Russians. CrowdStrike 
who was a private company contracted by the DNC to do an f- examination of those servers, testified in classified uh, briefings that they had no evidence that, in fact, it was the Russians that hacked the DNC. And uh, the person that actually conducted the leak of the DNC emails is, of course, no longer with us, having, to, having been assassinated at 4 a.m. in the morning on that Washington street corner, and you all know his name. Ted Cruz uh, took the gloves off uh, when he was talking uh, to Rod Rosenstein and, uh, and acquitted himself well during the hearings. Prior to 2016 and 2017, the worst known instance of abuse of power by an administration was Richard Nixon's abuse of his administration to target his political enemies. By any measure, what the Obama-Biden administration did in 2016 and 2017 makes everything Richard Nixon even contemplated pale in comparison. And Richard Nixon rightfully faced impeachment and ultimately resigned as a consequence of his misconduct. The evidence that has been made public has made clear that the Obama administration targeted his political opponents, targeted President Trump and his campaign, unleashed, weaponized, and politicized the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the intelligence community, and that the decision-making to do so went right up to the very top. Went right into the White House. That's what everybody's ignored. Uh, uh, Obama has been out of office now for three years. Nobody has asked him, nor have they asked Joe Biden, what they knew and when they knew it about the surveillance that was being conducted by Obama administration's intelligence and law enforcement agencies in coordination with the Hillary Clinton campaign. There is no media curiosity on those grounds whatsoever completely stuffed down the memory hole. We're not supposed to notice that nobody is, is uh, getting to the bottom of this while they gin up one fake scandal with regard to the, uh, the Trump administration after another. I'm going to play you one more clip before we go to break. This is Kaylee McInerney uh, at a white house press briefing, trying to put all of uh, yesterday's testimony into perspective. Former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein testified today on the Hill that uh, he didn't read the FISA applications and he didn't even prepare the scope memo that started the Mueller probe. Given that Rosenstein appears to be deeply involved in uh, Crossfire Hurricane and that he actually picked FBI Director Christopher. You can tell by that question there that this is a reporter from One American News Network. Involved in uh, Crossfire Hurricane and that. He actually picked FBI Director Christopher Wray. Isn't it time that the Trump administration appoints someone else other than Wray for FBI Director? Look, I have no announcements on that front, but what I will say with regard to the Rosenstein testimony is he said um, there was no there there, and he now agrees with that text by Peter Strzok, who, um, you know, obviously had no information of Russian collusion, but nevertheless um, strung us through this investigation. And you have Rosenstein, who, again, it's quite befuddling, said he wouldn't have signed off on the Carter Page FISA warrant that has his name on it, his name's on, signed on a FISA warrant to spy on the Trump campaign, uh, that he wouldn't have signed off on that. Not only that, he wasn't sure that he read every page of it. It's a pretty grave thing to spy on an American citizen, to violate their Fourth Amendment. I wish they'd quit saying that, spy on an American citizen, canard. They didn't spy on an American citizen. They used Carter Page as an entree 
into surveilling, wiretapping, if you will, the entire Trump campaign. Amendment rights do not have a basis to do so and to rely on a Russian dossier full of lies as the justification. Um, so it's really astonishing to hear from him uh, that he's not sure he read every page of that warrant. But I suppose it's encouraging to hear with his 2020 hindsight that he wouldn't have signed off on it, though I'm sure that's of no, Carter, no comfort to Carter Page. 17 different misrepresentations in one FISA application and Rod Rosenstein could not be bothered or uh, was complicit in ignoring each and every one of those 17 misrepresentations. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take you to Tucker Carlson's show last night where he put the lie to the Black Lives Matter movement right after this message. Mojo. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. So I've been saying for, um, for years now that the entire Black Lives matter movement is actually based on a lie that there is no epidemic of police violence against blacks, that blacks are in fact less likely to be shot than a white suspect, an, uh, uh, an unarmed white suspect, and less likely to be shot in any confrontation between uh, police and a violent suspect. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I think the, the number is uh, for every Three uh, violent suspects that are uh, confronted by police, black suspects that are shot, four white suspects. So you're 25% more likely, if you're a violent white criminal suspect, to be shot than you are as a black suspect. And oh, by the way, you are also more likely to be shot by a black or Hispanic uh, police officer than you are a white police officer. So this is, this is not a epidemic of police, racial police violence at all. But Tucker Carlson in his monologue last night took about, uh, almost seven minutes to break it all down. And I'm going to play that entire clip for you right now. Mourn only to repeat the cycle a few days later. End quote. In the words of Ben Crump, who's the lawyer representing George Floyd's family in Minneapolis, what we're witnessing here in America is quote, genocide. Genocide. If you believed we were seeing genocide, then you might understand the riots now in progress. There's nothing worse than genocide. But is it happening? Is any of this true? We should find out. Facts matter. What exactly are the numbers? We found the numbers. And we're going to go through them with you in some detail tonight because it's worth it. Since 2015, the Washington Post has maintained a comprehensive database of fatal police shootings in this country. Last year, the Post logged a total of 1,004 killings. Of the 802 shootings in which the race of the police officer and the suspect was noted, 371 of those killed were white, 236 were black. The vast majority of those killed were not, in fact, unarmed. The vast majority were armed, and African-American suspects were significantly more likely to have a deadly weapon than white suspects. Yet more white suspects were killed. 
Overall, there were a total of precisely 10 cases in the United States last year, according to the Washington Post, in which unarmed African-Americans were fatally shot by the police. There were nine men and one woman. Now, as we said, a lot is at stake. The country is at stake. So we want to take the time now to go through these case by case into the specifics. The first was a man called Chinara Feep. He was killed by a Knoxville police officer called Dylan Williams. According to Williams, Feep attacked him, choked him, and then used a taser on him, the suspect on the police officer, before the officer shot him. Five eyewitnesses corroborated the officer's claim, and the officer was not charged. The second case concerns a man called Marcus McVeigh. He was by any description a career criminal from St. Angelo, Texas. He'd been convicted of aggravated assault, assault on a public servant, and organized criminal activity. At the time he was killed, he was wanted on drug dealing charges. A Texas state trooper pulled him over. McVeigh fled in his car, then he fled on foot into the woods. There he fought with a trooper and was shot and killed. The officer was not charged in that case. Marzua Scott assaulted a shop employee. When a female police officer arrived and ordered the suspect toward her car, he instead charged her and knocked her to the ground. At that point, she shot and killed him. The entire incident was caught on body camera. The officer was not charged. Ryan Twyman was being approached by two L.A. County deputies when he backed into one of them with his vehicle. The deputy was caught in the car door. He and his partner opened fire. The deputies were not charged in that case. Melvin Watkins of East Baton Rouge, Louisiana, was shot by a deputy after he allegedly drove his car toward the deputy at high speed. The deputy was not charged. Isaiah Lewis, meanwhile, wasn't just unarmed. He was completely naked. Williams broke into a house and then attacked a police officer. The police tased Williams, but he kept coming at them and attacking. The officer shot him. They were not charged. Atiana Johnson, Jefferson, was shot by a Fort Worth deputy called Aaron Dean. A neighbor had called a non-emergency number after seeing Johnson's door open, thinking something might be wrong. Police arrived. Johnson saw them approach from a window and was holding a gun at the time. According to body camera footage, the officer shot Johnson within seconds. Jefferson, that officer, has been charged with homicide. Christopher Whitfield was shot and killed in a place called Ethel, Louisiana. He had robbed a gas station. Deputy Glenn Sims said his gun discharged accidentally while grappling with Whitfield's. Sims, who is black himself, was not charged in that killing. Kevin Mason was shot by police during a multi-hour standoff. While Mason turned out not to have a gun, Mason claimed to have a gun, claimed to be armed, and vowed to kill police with it. They believed him. Mason had been in a shootout with police years before. And finally, the tenth case concerns Gregory Griffin. He was shot during a car chase. An officer called Giovanni Crespo claimed he saw someone pointing a gun at him. Later, a gun was in fact found inside the vehicle, and yet Officer Crespo was charged anyway with aggravated manslaughter. Those are the facts. That is the entire list from 2019, last year. Ten deaths. In five deaths, an officer was attacked just before the shooting occurred. That is not disputed. One allegedly was an accident. That leaves a total of four deaths during a pursuit or in a standoff. So out of four... In two of those cases, in fully half, the officer was criminally charged. Is it possible that more of these officers should have been charged? Of course it's possible. Ten cases. Ten cases of genocide. More uh, or half as many people were killed in one day during these riots than these these ten cases that were being told justifies all of these protests, rioting, looting, and arson. 
And I keep saying if the standard uh, for these, uh, this violence in the streets to stop is that there are no more shootings of any black suspects by a white police officer or any police officer, that is never, ever going to happen. There's 17,000, almost 18,000 police officers in this country, and every now and then they are going to have to defend themselves. And requiring them to do hand-to-hand combat with an unarmed suspect that's attacking them is unrealistic. Once that suspect gets their hands on the cop, that gun belongs to both of them. Better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6. we got to run out to a break when we come back. We're going to catch up on the Democrats' war on America right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So 10 cases last year of unarmed black suspects being killed by police. There is no doubt that there have been more people killed in these riots to date than those 10 Many of them we don't know about. We know uh, about at least five in one day, but uh, many of these victims we don't know about. Some are in the hospital now and will die of their injuries. But um, we're, we're starting to, to see less and less coverage of that because the mainstream media doesn't fit their narrative. They've withdrawn uh, from these uh, riots after dark uh, when most of the rioting, looting, and assaults take place. And even on social media, they're starting to uh, to censor uh, these images. Uh, I know that because I've tried to repost them, and uh, and they have uh, no longer been available. They've been taken down. So uh, you know what we have here is a battle against um, law and order, and anarchy and chaos. And it's it's really obvious that in this battle. The Republicans and uh, and I, I believe more and more independents are going to be on the side of law and order, and the Democrats and their mouthpieces in the media are firmly on the side of the rioters and uh, and the forces of anarchy that uh, we see 
out in the streets. The, the media have for the last three years hyped and given saturation coverage to every report of white on black crime or police on black misconduct month after month, year after year. So we shouldn't be surprised when people start believing that and take to the streets. And they're using words like genocide to describe these isolated incidents. In a country of 330 million people, we've got a total of even if you believe the, the, uh, the characterization, just 10 instances of uh, police shooting unarmed black people. Now, these, these unarmed black people were each and every one of them engaged in illegalities. But, uh, but the, the standard they're telling us that we have to hold ourselves to is that that, that number has to be zero or this country will be burned down. I noticed I saw a, a photograph on a Twitter of a, a gun store in Burbank, California, a very left-wing liberal enclave, if there ever was one. It's home to a lot of the television studios and uh, movie studios. And they had lines going around the block at this gun store for these liberals, California liberals, to get in there and buy a gun. And you got to believe uh, that all of these people have been red-pilled. They're starting to see the reality of the ideology that they've been espousing. And they don't like it. They, they can see the logical outcome of this, this movement that includes a movement to defund the police. And in fact, right there in Los Angeles, Mayor Garcetti announced that he was going to take $150 million out of the police budget and put it into the black community. Now, the police budget is there uh, largely, I would even say majority, to protect the black community. You know, I was a firefighter in Atlanta for 30 years, and uh, every month we had to attend these neighborhood meetings. And as a, as a battalion chief, I had to go to each of what they call the neighborhood planning units, so I would attend three or four of these meetings a month. And the black citizens, the good law-abiding black citizens, not the ones you see out there in the streets rioting, were demanding more police protection to protect them from these violent elements that were um, making their neighborhoods unlivable. They would, they would go on. We would give our reports about fires and and uh, hazards, and uh, and there were very few questions. But when the police representative came up there, they would just get begged for more police protection, for the police to be more active, for them to uh, be more willing to get out of their cars and con- confront this lawlessness on their streets. Exactly the opposite characterization that you're getting from Black Lives Matter and this, uh, this whole dishonest lie of a movement. So Mayor Garcetti is going to take $150 million away from the police and reinvest it in communities of color. Now, that will result in fewer police officers on the street and lower pay. So the police officers that are out there 
risking their life to try to protect these communities of color are going to have their pay cut. They're going to be more in danger because there's going to be fewer of them. And this is what uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is advocating. Defund the police. Replace them with emergency social work teams to come to your house and explain to you that the reason um, people were murdered or your house was broken into or uh, arsons are going on is because of pent-up frustrations from 400 years, blah, blah, blah. So Donald Trump has assumed the mantle of uh, a president of law and order, and it is it is a message that the American people are hungry to hear. In a recent poll, uh, it was shown that about 65%, I think it was actually 64% of people agree with his um, his uh, choice to make uh, military uh, available to put down these riots. That's a supermajority. As a matter of fact, almost 50% of Democrats agreed with that decision. You wouldn't know that by watching the media who are calling Trump a, uh, a dictator and a, uh, a, a potential autocrat for, for um, doing that. I'm looking here for my, uh, my, my link to uh, the Insurrection Act. Let me just pull it up real quick. This is uh, by no means an anomaly in American history. Pardon me. Um, the Insurrection Act has been invoked repeatedly since its enactment in 1807. So we'll just go through a few of them. In 1808, Thomas Jefferson um, dispatched the military to Lake Champlain to uh, put down the Embargo Act violations. Uh, I guess they were trading with Canada. Andrew Jackson deployed the military in 1831 to the uh, slave rebellions. Andrew Jackson again dispatched the military over a labor dispute on the Chesapeake Bay. Ulysses S. Grant deployed the military under the Insurrection Act three separate times, 1871, 72, and 74. Rutherford B. Hayes uh, dispatched the military to Lincoln County, New Mexico on the Lincoln County War. Grover Cleveland dispatched the military under the Insurrection Act to put down the Pullman strike. Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, that darling of uh, the Democrats, put uh, um, deployed the military uh, in response to a race riot in Detroit. Dwight David Eisenhower um, deployed the military under the Insurrection Act to integrate the schools in Little Rock, Arkansas. John F. Kennedy, another Democrat darling, put the, uh, dispatched the U.S. military under the Insurrection Act in 62 and 63, the first time to Oxford, Mississippi, to put down a riot on the university campus there. 
He also deployed them under the Insurrection Act to force desegregation on the public schools in Alabama. Lyndon Baines Johnson deployed the military under the Insurrection Act four separate times, 67, 68, three times in 68, one to the Detroit riot, one to riots in Washington, D.C., one to Baltimore riots, and one to Chicago riots. I remember those riots. It was only the deployment of the U.S. military under the Insurrection Act that uh, got them under control. And that takes us up to 1989 and 1992 when George W. Bush twice dispatched the U.S. military under the Insurrection Act. The last time was to the riots in Los Angeles that pale, absolutely pale in comparison to what's going on right now. So this whole narrative that you're hearing from the media that Donald Trump is uh, is out acting outside of norms or the Constitution and being compared to a Nazi for uh, for bringing up the specter of invoking the Insurrection Act, which he has not in fact done at this point, is a total lie. It's a calculated lie. You had uh, Jim Acosta saying, "Are we a democracy anymore?" And James Mattis himself, Mad Dog, is uh, is out with a, 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 a an article or, or an opinion piece that was published in the Atlantic magazine. Once the Atlantic, once you're submitting uh, pieces to be published by the Atlantic magazine, you have lost all credibility because the Atlantic magazine is an unhinged left wing rag that, if you read something in their pages, you can pretty much assume that it's a, uh, a false narrative. That's the business they're in. They are the print version of MSNBC. And uh, all of this is, uh, is being uh, screamed about because uh, the U.S. Park Police cleared um, Lafayette Park after the curfew that had been announced well in advance. Everybody was told that if they were on their streets after the curfew of 7 p.m., that they would be in violation of the law and subject to arrest. And after that happened, they began throwing rocks and bottles and, uh, and fighting with police. And it was reported widely in the media that the U S park police used tear gas and rubber bullets in order to clear Lafayette park. So the president could have a photo op. That lie has now been thoroughly and completely debunked, but you won't see any corrections on the network air or on MSNBC or CNN or MSNBC or, um, or at the New York times or Washington post, they tell the lie. The lie is debunked and they ignore the correction entirely. There were no rubber bullets. There was no tear gas. The park police use smoke canisters and pepper balls. Pepper balls are, uh, these, these, uh, um, pepper spray, um, paintballs that, uh, that the police were using in a desperate attempt to try to find some non-lethal way to control these crowds, but they'll continue to, to parrot that, uh, that lie. Joe Biden has made it a part of his campaign, joining the very fine people lie and, and other lies that he's promoting. 
We're going to run out to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to cover uh, the chosen one, Barack Obama's speech last night. Stick with us. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. So Barack trying to quit drinking. So Barack Obama addressed the nation last night. And uh, it was classic Obama. It was long, boring, full of uh, social justice bromides that he has uh, practiced to the point where he could say them in his sleep. There was uh, a total of about two sentences that condemned the violence that's going on in the streets. Largely, uh, it was it was just one of these social justice warrior speeches that uh, continued to parrot uh, the Black Lives Matter lie. And you got to remember that, uh, you know, Obama is, is, uh, is the one that, uh, that gave credence to these lies. He had Black Lives Matter protesters to the White House after they had been responsible for the murder of almost a dozen, no, more than a dozen police officers throughout this country. He brought them into the White House, sat down with them, gave them credence, and now they're being funded to the tune of tens of millions of dollars by big corporations and uh, these left-wing nonprofit front organizations where people can donate their money but not have to put their name on on the predictable consequences. I got a clip for you here um, of Barack Obama's, uh, well, that's not the one I was looking for. Sorry for the technical uh, glitches today. Here we go. I want to speak directly to the young men and women of color in this country, uh, who, as Plan just so eloquently described, have witnessed too much violence and too much death. Well, they've witnessed too much violence and too much death, but it hasn't been at the hands of the police. It's in these neighborhoods where uh, the police have been banished and uh, and chastened from trying to enforce the law. And too often, some of that violence has come uh, from folks who were supposed to be serving and protecting. Too often, he says. Now, that too often is a, a sum total of 10. Most of it was entirely justified. There were four cases in which charges were brought. No, uh, two cases in which charges were brought, and uh, and two cases where the uh, the cop wasn't actually fighting with the suspect. You, um, I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that your lives matter, that your dreams matter. And when I go home and I look at the faces of my daughters, Sasha and Malia, and I look at my nephews and nieces, I see limitless potential that deserves to flourish and thrive. And you should be able to learn and make mistakes and live a life of joy. <laughs> I want to remember see- when he 
famously said that if I had a son, he would look a lot like Trayvon Martin, the uh, the two-bit thug that uh, had attacked George Zimmerman and was beating his head against uh, concrete. He gave oxygen to the uh, to the riots in Ferguson that burned down that city because a police officer defended himself from a 300-pound suspect who had already tried to take his gun and was rushing at him, ignoring orders to stop. He didn't speak out nearly as forcefully when those five cops were murdered by a Black Lives Matter activist in Dallas, Texas. Had very little to say about those two New York City cops that were assassinated while sitting in their their, uh, patrol car by a... uh, a murderer who espoused on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, not Gab, that he uh, was doing it because of Black Lives Matter. He gave oxygen to all of this. And he went on and on. I've got other clips, but I'm not going to bore you with them because they're all very predictable. He was sitting apparently in an office uh, broadcasting on Zoom, and uh, it's hard to stay awake through it. Uh, he got a lot of, uh, he got a lot of views because he, he limited, you know, where you could watch it. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're calling this as a, a big contrast between Donald Trump and his, his, uh, admonitions of law and order. And I guess it is one continues to justify and apologize for what's going on and, and dishonestly pretend that it's based on some actual, um, you know, widespread police misconduct. And the other is demanding that law-abiding citizens not have their property destroyed and not be murdered. In Minnesota, uh, the state's attorney general, Keith Ellison, who is a uh, sympathizer with Antifa, and that's not my opinion. He has said it himself. He uh, has posed in a bookstore with a, uh, a handbook Antifa handbook that they were selling saying this is what Donald Trump fears most. Well, he has now brought second degree murder charges against officer or former officer Chauvin upgrading it from third degree murder. And he's charged three officers that were at the scene with being an accomplice to murder. This is what's called overcharging. A second-degree murder charge requires that you approve intent on behalf of the murder. The third-degree murder charge was going to be difficult enough to prove in and of itself because it would have required that they prove a um, a callous indifference to human life um, in the charge because uh, Chauvin was uh, kneeling on the back of of uh, Mr. Floyd's neck. You can't asphyxiate somebody by kneeling on the back of their neck, but uh, that's what he's being charged with. This second-degree murder charge is going to require that he prove intent. And you got to wonder if he didn't upgrade these charges uh, knowing that it would be more difficult to get a conviction and would then lead to another round of rioting and violence in the streets. These three other police officers that are being charged, one of them Asian, one of them Hispanic, and another one of them white, 
um, are being uh, accused of being an accomplice to this. And now it's coming to light that, um, in fact, this, uh, this suspect, Mr. Floyd, who has a long history of, uh, of crime and, uh, and uh, had fentanyl and methamphetamine in his system, was spitting on the officers at the time that they were trying to take him into custody. Well, that may explain why Officer Chauvin was leaning on his neck trying to keep his face down so that he can't, couldn't further uh, infect the police officers with the coronavirus. All this is going to come clear uh, when we have a trial. One thing, one thing is clear. There's no way that these officers can get a fair trial from the, uh, the uh, Keith Ellison's attorney general office. And they can't get one in Minnesota. I'm not sure where they could get one at this point. They are, they are entitled to their day in court too. As a matter of fact, we owe that to them. And uh, after everybody, including president Trump has gone on record saying that these guys are guilty of murder. It's hard to see where they would ever get a fair trial. So we had another night of uh, looting and uh, violence against police officers and other innocent people uh, there in New York. And we're now learning that the reason uh, is likely that as soon as these suspects are arrested, they are promptly uh, released without bail because of the uh, vaunted bail reform there in New York. And it's not limited. This uh, phenomenon is not limited to New York City. The uh, arrested rioters are also being released immediately in St. Louis by the Soros-funded attorney general out there and in Harris County, in Texas, Houston, and also in Philadelphia. So how do you go about controlling riots if every time you arrest a rioter and deliver them to the jail, they, uh, they get turned right out for the next night's festivities? I've got a clip here. This is a, a chief of the NYPD pointing out that uh, these uh, these people are being released as uh, as quick as they can be arrested. Well, we're very fortunate tonight to have the top uniformed NYPD member, Terrence Monahan. Chief, it's good to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, you guys think you're looking at a better night tonight? And if so, why? We're hoping so. Uh, we put some more things in place, shut down all traffic uh, south of 96th Street, which will make it a lot easier for us to move so we can get from one location to another. Of course, we need to be nimble. With the curfew at 8 o'clock, uh, it gives us a reason if we have a group that's starting to cause trouble. I'm not going to be able to play that clip. I, uh, I failed to cut it down adequately to, uh, to make it into the rest of the show. But if it weren't enough, you know, that um, New York City and St. Louis and Philadelphia and Houston and uh, and these other cities are turning these rioters back out on the street as quickly as they can be arrested. There is now a $20 million bail fund that's been raised to uh, to release these people in, in jail that is uh, that is being used to uh, to release them uh, so that they can go back out on the streets and continue these protests slash riots. $20 million dollars. 
there was a, um, a GoFundMe page established for Chief David Dorn, uh, the career law enforcement professional in St. Louis and St. Louis County, to help pay for his funeral. It's raised $50,000. So $20 million for the rioters, $50,000 for the chief that was murdered trying to, to enforce the law. Let's see, we got about a minute left, and I want to talk about um, the last time that there that we've got on record. Oh, let me play you another clip. This is Scott Fovel on a um, an undercover video talking about the Democrats' promotion and uh, an instigation of violence, political violence. And you're protesting, and you do these actions, mm-hmm. you will be attacked at Trump rallies. That's what we know. Oh, so oh, oh, so that's part of the process that's, of, of eliciting the reaction. The whole point okay. of it is we know that Trump's people will, will freak the fuck out. The security team will freak out, and his supporters will lose their shit. This is Scott Fovel. He is the national field director for Americans United for Change. He used to work for People for the American Way, an organization funded by George Soros. He also has his own company called the Fovel Group. He is one of the dark operatives for the Clinton campaign. We were contracted directly with the DNC and the campaign. Both. Yeah. I am contracted to him, mm-hmm. but my, I answer to the head of special events for the DNC mm-hmm. and the head of the special events and political for the campaign. The campaign pays DNC. DNC pays Democracy Partners. Democracy Partners pays the Fogel Group. The Fogel Group goes... That's kind of a long clip, but what he is admitting to there is that uh, he had goon squads, paid goon squads, out on the streets instigating violence. And that's exactly what we're seeing play out in America's streets today. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. Thank you for joining us. I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.